God's word, God's people, and God's truth are under assault and attack. Take refuge in the Lord. We need everyone to dig deeper, to lay the foundation so that we can stand tall for the Lord. Good morning. So good to see you out there today. If you're a guest, thanks for coming in and spending a little bit of time with us here at Gateway. If you're not a guest, maybe a second time or third time, thanks for coming back. And if you're a, what we call an old regular, old is symbolic, all right? Old regular. Thanks for being a part of Gateway Church. It is the end of July. Can you feel it? Can you smell it? That's school you smell. That's not a sock or a uh, rotten tomato in your house. That's the smell of school coming is what my wife says. It's coming soon, and uh, life will be back to, back to the old grind here pretty soon. So we'll just enjoy it, won't we? Well, this is the last Sunday of the month, which means we're in our foundation series. Foundations is what we do every last Sunday of the month. It is our attempt to put back into the hearts and minds of our people, and especially our young people, foundational core beliefs uh, that we hold so dear. There are 12 of them. You can go on our website, gatewaychurch.net, and you can go to the foundations page under ministries, and you can find all 12 of them. We've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about the existence of God. We've talked about uh, creation. We've talked about life. We talked about the purpose for life, being made in God's image. We even talked a month or so ago about sexuality and God's design for that. So I hope you've enjoyed these. It's always the last Sunday. And this Sunday is also a fifth Sunday, which means uh, all, the, all the kids are in here. Let's hear it from the kids. Just one quick shout out. Hey, kids. Okay, the kids aren't paying attention. All right, if you're, if you're in elementary school or uh, middle school or high school, give me a whoop, whoop. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, all right, all right. We, we're going to try to uh, engage you today, all right? Because we believe you need to hear this. You need this. You need this because, listen, kids, students, you, you are a target for the devil. The devil wants your heart. He wants your soul. He wants your brain. He wants you to do what he wants you to do. He wants you to believe that Christianity, that church, that faith is a lie. And let me tell you something. That hopefully both your parents go to church. If they don't, you say something to them. Say, come on, Dad, let's go to church. It's good for you. It's just an hour. You spend an hour laying on the couch watching uh, Shark Week. Come to church. If you have both parents coming to church, you're going to have a solid foundation, a whole lot better opportunity, and if you don't. And so we think that the foundations are being attacked. They're, they're trying to destroy the foundations. And so today's topic is a very important topic. Today's topic is the topic I would, I would propose to you. It's the topic that secular high school teachers, the secular college professors... And that people in the world will use to pull you away from faith. This is the topic of science. 
science for a lot of people is what keeps them from becoming a Christian or it pulls them out from being a Christian. And we're here to say today, aren't we, Cassie, that science and faith are friends. Science and faith are friends, just like me and Cassie are friends. All right. Cassie wants to share with you guys a little something to, uh, to demonstrate this. I'm going to the piano. All right. Well, I say wait a minute because science and faith, like you just said, they don't seem to be friends very often. When we look in our classrooms and our media today, they often look more like enemies instead of friends. But maybe we just need a different perspective, and maybe we can find a way for them to get along. All summer, our kids have been learning about faith, and we have defined faith as a, um, I lost my train of thought for a second. <laughs> We've defined faith as believing in something you can't see because of what you can see. So that means that we believe in God, not because we see him, but because we can see evidence of him. Now, a friendship is defined as having mutual trust and support with each other. And although we don't see that very often today, maybe we could try to work away and see if we can get them to get along in that kind of a sense. Um, but circling back to that, evidence. Evidence is a very scientific word. And we can see evidence of God all around us. So let's go ahead and define science. Science is the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical natural world through observation, experimentation, and the testing of theories against evidence that we find, evidence obtained. In other words, the scientific method, all the scientific things we know are based in the scientific method. So we look at the world around us, we test it out, and we develop a theory based on whatever evidence we find. So kids, I'm going to need your participation here. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of gravity. Yeah, all right, so just shake your head for this part. Can you see it? Can you show it to me? Think you can even touch it? Yeah, it's something that we can't see. So there was this guy, his name is Sir Isaac Newton, and he developed a law of universal gravitation that was published in 1687. Bear with me. It says that any two bodies in the universe attract each other with a force that is directly proportional to the product of their masses and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between them. <laughs> what this law really says that there's, there is an invisible force that attracts objects together, just like there's an invisible force that attracts my feet to this stage. Otherwise, I'd be floating away right now. So we can't see gravity, but we can test it out and see the results that it does exist. In fact, you even have faith in gravity every morning when you put your feet on the ground. You don't float away every morning, do you? So your faith has been well put. Um, what I would like for us to do today as adults and kids alike is to change our perspective. And Dave's going to help me out with this one. We would like to look at faith in science more as instruments 
or maybe musical notes. And we're going to have Dave play two different notes for us that don't sound alike. Yeah. So those are obviously two different notes. Just like if I asked Philip to get back up here and play the guitar, and if I asked Jennifer or Dave to get back up here and play the piano, they would be two different instruments. The cool thing about music is you can play different notes and different instruments together, and they can actually be really cool. You don't have to be similar to work together, right? Although you're different, differences, you can work together and be different. In fact, that's what really makes a good friendship or even a good marriage is our differences tend to complete each other, right? So when we play faith and science together, we get this sound called consonants, and it means a pleasing sound. Could you play a pleasing sound for us? Very good. Jennifer's taught him well. <laughs> yeah, when we don't play science and faith together, we get a sound called dissonance. And that is, it means lack of harmony or a clash or a tension. So what would that sound like on the piano? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> our toddlers and our preschoolers for the whole month of August are gonna be learning about the creation account. And in Genesis, when we read about that account, God made something every day, and at the end of each day, he said that it was really good. He said it was good. So based on that writing in Genesis 1, we can tell that the study of science, which is the study of the world he created, must also be good, right? So let's get in harmony with science and faith. Let's Set the tone around us that science and faith really are friends, and they do have a mutual trust and support. And I challenge you to listen to the beautiful symphony of science and faith that is around you every day. All right. Thanks, Cassie. You didn't know I could play piano, did you? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever been uh, out on your back porch when it's getting getting a little bit dark, and you start hearing, and my, if you were at my house, you could start hearing some bullfrogs bullfrogs, and then you, you're hearing the crickets, you're hearing the crickets, and then maybe there's a whippoorwill or something still singing in the tree, maybe the wind's blowing through the leaves, and it's a beautiful sound, isn't it? It's God's sound. You know, they've even heard sounds uh, beyond the earth. They've heard sounds, and it's a beautiful sound. It's God's symphony of things uh, working together, and uh, sometimes there's dissonance, like Cassie said, and sometimes there's harmony. Well, I want to talk a little bit about faith today and, and science, science and faith, and how, how they go together, how they are friends. Why? Now, you might have come here expecting something, but uh, we're going to get to a point in this message where you're going to be challenged to make a choice. And I want to tell you two things first before I get to the real meat of what I want to say. First of all, it matters where you start. When it comes to reconciling science and faith, it matters where you start. Some people say, well, if you're going to go to church, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to check your brain at the door. You can't, check your, check, uh, you, know, you can't bring your brain into church because they don't believe in science. They don't believe in using your brain. 
And that's just not true. Did you know that science actually came out of faith? She mentioned Sir Isaac Newton, but the first, and he was a, he was a, he was a Christian, but the first real scientist, the modern scientist who invented the scientific method of observing and experimenting and testing a hypothesis and a, getting a theory was Francis Bacon, and Francis Bacon was a Christian. So I would propose to you that science came out of faith. Science came out of faith, and to appreciate it, I think you, you, have to, you have to start somewhere. You have to start, I think, with faith. Now, if you start with science and you leave faith out of it, because I don't know, you may not be a Christian here today. You may be here for this reason or that reason, but you might think that uh, looking at the world, for instance, you look at the world and you see natural disasters. Our son, Jameson, is in Haiti right now, and you know Haiti gets hit over and over again with uh, some kind of a, a tornado or a, rather a, a hurricane or an earthquake or something. And it seems like those people never get a rest. And we might would look at Haiti and say, wow, how can there be a God? Those people suffer so much. Or a severe famine causing hunger and, and food shortages or pain, just pain and suffering in general. If you start and leave God out of it, if you start from a perspective of just science and you look at the stuff that's happening in the world today, you could easily conclude that there's no God. There can't be a God. Maybe you saw the movie Sound of Freedom. Have you seen that movie? You really ought to go see Christian movies. You ought to go see them so we can support them and they can keep playing them on the big screen. It's a great movie. It raises so much awareness and it's a call to action for prayer on the part of God's people for what's happening all over the world, even here in the United States with young children who are being kidnapped and sold into sex slavery and, uh, and shipped off all over the world and in, you know, drugged and and it's a it's a terrible thing that's going on and it's hard to watch and hard to fathom and hard to believe this stuff's going on in 2023, but it is going on. And if you looked at the stuff that's going on from a perspective without God, you might say, "How can there be a God who would allow such horrific things to happen to little boys and girls?" Well, there is a God. It matters where you start. And you know, if people say, well, pain and suffering is evidence that uh, there's no God, we have to realize that God made this world, but he also gave us freedom of choice. Freedom of choice allows us to freely love him. If we didn't have freedom of choice, if we weren't given the opportunity to say yes or no to love God, it really wouldn't be love. And what God wants most from us is a love relationship. He wants you to choose him, and he understands that you may not. You may walk away from here today or you may leave uh, here and you may go in the rest of your life and never believe in God. You may choose uh, to say no, just like the rich young ruler walked away. And God allows that. Jesus didn't run after the rich young ruler and say, come back, I'll change my stipulations, I'll, you know, I'll lower the expectations. No, Jesus let him walk away and he'll let you walk away too. He'll, he'll let you walk away right away and in into the gates in the mouth of hell because you have a choice and if if he didn't give you that choice and you couldn't freely choose him and love him therefore because people don't make the choice to follow him and love him there's evil in the world 
And we can all look around and say there's a whole lot of evil in the world because there are a lot of people who are deciding not to pursue God and his ways. Let's just admit it. If we lived, if all of us lived according to Christian values, it'd be a better world. I mean, if you don't believe that, why are you here? It is. It's love and peace is the best way to live. So it matters where you start. The Bible says the fool says in his heart there's no God. Atheism is really a modern thing. It, it didn't exist in ancient cultures. And they might not have known the God we know. might not have had the Bible, but they believed in a God somewhere. Now, I'm not saying they're okay because of that, but I'm saying atheism is a modern thing. It, it's a modern thing, really, as a, as a movement, as a movement. The Bible says if you start with a perspective of faith, you can look at the heavens because the heavens declare the glory of God. And you can look out there and see, wow, look at what God did. Psalm 111 says, great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. It matters where you start. And if you're trying to debate or argue with a person who's starting somewhere else, for instance, if you're starting with faith and you look out and you say, well, this is amazing what God has done. And I understand there's pain and suffering in the world, but it's because of sin in the world. And you're trying to argue with someone over here that says, yeah, look at, what, look at what the world's going through. How can there be a God? And you're going to have a hard time debating them because you're coming from two different ball fields, so to speak. You're not even in left field. You're in another field. And so before you try to debate and expend your energy and get all worked up and all mad and trying to convince your friend that they need to, they need to accept your views, what you ought to do is share the gospel with them. You ought to love them into, into Jesus. And when their heart changes, when they receive the Holy Spirit, then they can start to see. So your first thing is not to win a debate. Your first thing is to share the gospel and give them an opportunity to respond. It matters where you start. And secondly, let me tell you this, neither faith nor science can answer all your questions. Isn't it amazing how many people will throw the towel in on their faith because there's a question that can't be answered? Young kid grows up in church. He goes to youth group every week, and then he goes off to college. You know, they say seven out of ten, seven out of ten kids who go to church, grow up in church, seven out of ten will go to college and a good portion of them, well, 7 out of 10, <laughs> 7 out of 10 can be convinced to throw the talent on their faith in the first semester. And maybe that's for, uh, for moral reasons because they want to go live the life they always thought they wanted to live and live it up and stay out of church and not live the way they were taught to live. Or maybe it's because there's no answers for them and they hear some science lecture and the science professor says, if you believe in God in here, I want to tell you it's my objective to change your mind because that's just a story, just a fairy tale. Isn't it funny that those seven kids will throw the towel in on their faith because there's not an answer? It's like, ah, God must not be true because he can't, my preacher can't tell me where God came from. Now, there are a lot of answers to questions that kids are throwing the towel in on. We just got to get those answers into their head. And that's what Foundations is all about. 
I love the story of John Cavanaugh, the noted and famous ethicist. He was kind of a scientist who, who was kind of looking for purpose in his life, and he decided to, to, to go to Calcutta, India, to spend some time with Mother Teresa because she seemed to be a person of focus. She seemed to be a person of passion, a person of purpose. And so he, he went, and he, he writes a book about this. He went to Mother Teresa, and, and uh, he, he finally got to meet her, and he said, I want you to pray for me. And she said, what do you want me to pray for? He said, I want you to pray for me to have clarity, have some clarity of what my life should be, what I should do with the rest of my life. She said, no, I will not do that, will not do that. And when he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh said that, she, that she always seemed to have clarity, she said this. She made this quote. She said, after laughing, she said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you will have trust. Some of you are here today, and what you're looking for is clarity. You want answers. You want a clear path. You want to know exactly those places and those things that, that they've told you, that you've read about, and that, and that have attacked our core beliefs. But I want to tell you something. You may not ever get those answers because neither faith nor science can answer all the questions there are. It's like Cassie said here. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, I don't know all that about gravity. I've got questions about that myself, uh, and I could explore them, but I don't have time. But there, are a lot of, there are a lot of questions that seem to be settled that I don't think are settled. Even in faith, I have questions. People say, why was God so mean in the Old Testament? Why did he kill so many people? What kind of a God is that that would wipe out entire people groups in the Old Testament times? And is that the same God that we know in the New Testament? And there's answers for that. It is the same God. God was doing something. God was doing a particular something, and God was bringing Jesus to the world, and there were some things that had to be done. And besides, God's ways are higher than our ways. We, we see things in our judicial system. We think we know what's right and wrong, and that's the only way we can live, and that's what God has shown us. But Let's admit God's ways are a whole lot higher. The other day I was watching um, uh, TV, <clears throat> and we'll skip that next uh, verse back there. I was watching TV the other day, and uh, you know it's Shark Week all month. Y'all been watching Shark Week this month? How's that work? And uh, this particular show that happened to be on, they talked about this marine biologist who had devoted 20 years to study in these guys. 20 years of your life. How many of you are under 20 today? You're under 20 years old. You're under 20. Oh, come on, lady. I know you're over 20. Okay, 20, 20 years. Man, that's a lifetime almost, isn't it? 20 years to study in sharks. And guess what he knows now that he didn't know when he started? A whole lot. A whole lot. For instance, how many of you have red or orange or yellow bathing suits? Anybody got a red, orange, or yellow? Yeah, Jeff, and you keep wearing that at the ocean because they think sharks like those, they taste better to them than the blue one that I wear. So especially if we're swimming together, you, you wear that yellow bathing suit or orange or red. 
No, my point is that there's a lot of questions that science can't answer, and there are some answers that science has given us, well, let's admit, have been just plain wrong. I was talking to my son-in-law and daughter uh, the other day about this, and I said, what, what are some things that science has said this, and then now it's changed? And my son-in-law was telling me about back in the 30s and, and 40s, they used to believe that cigarette smoking increased your lung capacity. Yeah, it was very popular, wasn't it? And if you don't believe me, look at this picture. This is our Tour de France guys. <clears throat> look at that. <clears throat> the guy second from the left, he, he's sucking on one. He's, he's burning one. And the guy, to, you know, he's got his shoulder on. He must be having trouble breathing. So they say, hey, take a, take, take a draw off of this, man, and that'll help you get to the next leg. Isn't that ridiculous? Kids, is cigarette smoking good for you or good for you or bad for you? Very bad. Very bad. And hey, adults, what about eggs? What about eggs? You know, science has been back and forth on eggs, hasn't it? Science, you know, there's this guy that says, eat eggs. Eat eggs. Eat as much as you can. How many of you love eggs? I love eggs. I could eat a bunch of them. I do eat a bunch of them. But this guy says, uh, don't eat eggs. Don't eat eggs. Well, what is it? Should we eat them or not eat them? Maybe we could say all things in moderation, cholesterol. My point is that science can't agree. Now, I know there are some of you after work or weekend wine bibbers, and you, you used to hear, oh, a little glass of red wine will kind of do your heart good. Not anymore. Not anymore. Now they say all alcohol is bad for you. And kids, if you see that in your parents' fridge, you call them out on it and say, that's bad for you. It's bad for you. If there's something in your fridge you, you're not allowed to touch, then that's probably what they're, you say that's bad for you. Not only did the preacher say it, because <clears throat> they know the preacher says it, but science says it now. Bad for you. My daughter, who's a psychiatric nurse practitioner, was telling me years ago, I don't know, maybe less than 100 years, when people had mental problems, if they were unstable, <clears throat> that they, they used to do this thing called a frontal lobotomy. Anybody heard of a frontal lobotomy? Anybody ever had one? I hope not. It's basically driving a needle through the front of your skull, hoping they hit the right spot up there to make you better. Now, if someone said, hey, I need to drive a needle through your skull because you're not acting right, would you go for that? I don't know if you've heard, if you're in the medical field, you might have heard of bloodletting. You know, years ago, they used to think that impurities were in your blood, and they are, and that if you just let some of it out, it would save you. It would save your life. George Washington died prematurely because he and his doctors decided to, to let out his blood. Over 40, he, he gave up over 40% of his blood, and he died. Just think if he hadn't have done that, he might be living today. Scientists do not know all the answers. They don't. So maybe, maybe we should throw the towel in on science and say, hey, let's start a, let's start a club, an anti-science club, and we're not going to buy any of it. Yeah, science we know is catching up with the Bible even. They cannot deny now. In the last maybe 20 years, but only really in the last few years, do those who approve of abortion have they been 
strongly disproven on what one of their main cases was going to be. A preborn baby is a baby. It's a baby. And they can't deny that now with the advance of technology on sonograms and these 3D sonograms. But you know, their argument used to be, oh, it's just a glob of tissue. But then sonograms came along and they said, wait a minute, I'm, I'm counting fingers and toes and look at the features of that face. He looks like his daddy. And they can't deny it now. So if someone is for abortion now, they can't do that on scientific grounds. They can't do it. They have to do it now on ethical grounds. It's an, a moral decision. And in, let me tell you, it's an immoral decision. That's a human life right there. And the Bible told us that thousands of years ago in Psalm 139. Maybe you like nature and science. Anybody have a weather app? Anybody got a weather app? Yeah, you've been looking at it a lot lately. Hasn't this weather been crazy? Strong winds and trees blowing down and all sorts of rain and hail and uh, I think it's, they're calling for snow this week it's going to be so cold down in the 80s can you believe that well you know before before the meteorologists came on the scene and what a job huh I could do that job there's a 50 50 chance it's going to rain next week oh I was right I was the other 50 like yesterday was supposed to be a washout, wasn't it? But we won the co-ed league softball championship yesterday. Your team, Gateway Church, won that. But we were supposed to be rained out, weren't we? First time in history we won that championship, and I forgot to say that first service. So here, this is in Job. The water cycle is found in Job 26. God told us about it in the Bible long before meteorologists came along and just tried to define it for us. It's very rare that you're going to know 100% of everything. Very rare. So instead of pitting faith and science against one another, we should, we should let them be, be friends. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. I also like when he said, in science we have been reading only the notes to a poem, but in Christianity we find the poem itself. Real quickly, science and faith are friends. You know how? First of all, science can tell us what and sometimes how. And faith tells us why. Talking about life here. You know, science can, can describe how a seed germinates and grows in your garden and then produces some kind of vegetable or fruit. Science can t tell us where babies come from, and kids, you should ask your mother or your dad about that. And uh, science can tell us that. But what science can't tell us, science can't tell us where did the first life come from? Where did it come from? You know, if you concede, okay, well, you say it climbed out of some primordial soup there. Where did the soup come from? They can't tell you that. They can't tell you that. And they definitely, but, but they can tell you about every other part of life in between. But what they can't tell you is why you're here when you look in the mirror every morning and you're like, why, why am I here? Like John Kevin, I was trying to find out from Mother Teresa. But faith can tell us. So science tells us what? Yeah, there's life. I can see it. My, my heart's beating. I hope it beats for several more years. How that works and keeps going, I don't know. And it stops on some people but I don't know what I'm supposed to do while it's beating. 
How am I supposed to live my life? What am, where am I supposed to go to college? What, what, what about high school next? What am I going to do? Science tells you what you should do. Colossians 1 says, for in him all things were created. That means you and me. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and what? For him. You want, you want to know what to do? Live for him. We're here to glorify him. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, 1 Corinthians says, do all to the glory of God. We're here to live in a loving, right relationship with him. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are here to serve. Paul said we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us. You see, science can tell us what, and it needs faith to tell us why. Secondly, science can show us where, and faith can tell us who. What I'm talking about here is the recognition of beauty, the recognition of beauty, especially in the world. Has anybody been to the beach this year yet? Yeah, has anybody been to a mountain or a lake or someplace? Has anybody seen anything beautiful? Anybody been out of St. Albans? Has anybody, has anybody not been out of St. Albans? I'm going to take you for a ride. Uh, so if you get out of St. Albans, you're going to see some beautiful things. And I think maybe here in St. Albans, you might see some beautiful things in nature, beautiful things. And we can be inspired and we can, through the advancement of technology, we can see further and we can see up close. And, uh, you know, we don't even have to use technology. We can just look at our friends' Facebook pages because they've been on vacation about every other week this summer, Right? You're like, where in the world do they get all their money to travel so much? How can people not believe in God? How can they not believe? If you start from atheism, you might look at that and say, wow, that just happened by accident. It's the equivalent of a tornado rolling through the junkyard, and it blows through and bounces off of all these old beat-up, upside-down, torn-up cars, and then when it leaves, at the end, there's a, there's a brand new BMW sitting there. You're like, wow, look at that. A brand new BMW just came out of that junkyard because of that tornado. That's, that's what they want us to believe. Because I'm telling you, you're living in a, an incredible world, and they want you to think it's by accident. Order does not come from disorder. Disorder breeds chaos. And here's one, kids, for you. Just remember this one. If you, if you don't remember any defense for your faith, here it is. You guys listen to me? Kids, here's the greatest defense for your faith if you want to talk to a scientist. How did something come from nothing? How did something come from nothing? Can't happen. Something doesn't come from nothing. Something comes from something. And because we have something here, explain to me how there's nothing there. Because that's what they say. They say, oh, this all came from nothing and exploded and it spun around and it swirled and it heated up and it melted and, and then now there's you. No, something doesn't come from nothing. Something comes from something. That's your greatest argument. That's your greatest line of defense for your faith. Paul said, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom of, and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. 
And I like Romans 1.20, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. What we're talking about here is evidence. We're talking about evidence. Let me give you one more reason before I lose everybody uh, why science and faith are best friends. Science, and, science can reveal our need, and faith reveals the solution. What is your greatest need? Anybody going to eat after church today? Yeah, yeah, me too. We need food, don't we? We need food. You know, you can live about, they say, I think 10 days without water. Maybe 40, 50, 60 days without food. You can't live very long without air. Maybe seven minutes if you're Tom Cruise. They say he can hold his breath for seven minutes. But you can't live at all without hope or love. God made us to live for love and hope. Science reveals that. Science can, I'm not talking about the hard sciences. I'm talking about maybe social science or behavioral science. Science can get in there and say, you know, isolation is bad for you. That's why COVID was so hard on our world because people isolated in it drove a lot of people crazy, the, the lockdowns, that is. We need each other, don't we? We have an innate desire to love and be loved, but science can't tell us that. In fact, science tells us the opposite sometimes. Science will say, well, if you have a different political belief, you should separate because you're just going to argue. If you're a different skin color or a different economic background or if you're different, you know, you need to go your own way. And if, and if your group's different and they did something to you, you need to get back at them. And that's called class warfare. And that's what science, social science is teaching us and telling us is that, you know, we need to, we need to get back what's ours. We need to take revenge. We need to, we need to have justice here. But Jesus didn't get any justice, did he? He didn't get justice. He got punishment. It wasn't his, it was yours. You know, science can, science can tell us we need something, but faith tells us what it is we need and can deliver, and can deliver. Jesus, one place said, he said, look at the birds of the air. Look at them. They don't spin or sow reap, gather into barns, and yet God loves them. And how much more valuable are you than they are? So here's your choice today. Science and faith, are they fighting in your world? Are they friends? Because I think there's a good opportunity. They're friends. They want to be friends. They want to work together to complete your picture of where God has put you. You know, if science had ruled the day, then Jesus coming to the earth would have been a big mistake. I mean, if you're divine, uh, don't do anything down there. Don't dirty yourself. That's what Muslims believe, that he couldn't be God because he's divine and he wouldn't dirty himself. And so many other world religions, that's the view they take, that if you're divine, if you're God, you wouldn't, you wouldn't live in the dirt down here. That's why Christianity's different. That's why God's different. He said, here, forget the science here. I'm going to send my son to live among you. He was the greatest. He was the sinless one, and he's going to the cross for you. Where's the science in that? There's a lot of biological science 
Why? Why? Science will tell you how Jesus died. It'll tell you maybe he died from a broken heart because the water, blood was mixed with water. Something had entered his heart, but science won't tell you why he did it. He died. Why? Why wouldn't the creator God, why wouldn't he do it some other way? I mean, if he's God, why couldn't he just say, boom, you guys are saved. Don't worry about it. That's not the way he did it. The way he did it was he sent his son to die on a cross, to become a sacrifice, to appease a holiness, a holy nature, so that you could go to heaven. Science, faith. How about science and faith? Lord God, thank you today for uh, for this message. Thank you for these folks here. And Lord, if if there is just a in some people's minds here today, if there's just a maybe a a faint belief that there might be an afterlife, maybe that this stuff may be true. Lord, I pray today that everything within them would say that I want to take my chances on that. I want to take my chances on that. Because, God, if it is true, and we believe it is, and we don't do anything about it, then we're going to be lost for eternity. Lord, I pray that young people all the way to the oldest one here in this room today would make a decision about you about embracing the world as you've given it to us, science and faith working together to give us the best possible life. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to come during this song and talk to me about your next step, stand up with me and come on down and we'll talk about it.